Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website, c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. Uh, In the last service, we looked with a bird's eye view of the Beatitudes, and I made a couple of general observations from there. In this service, we're going to zoom in, and we're going to look very closely at one of the Beatitudes. The title of this message is Overcoming High Self-Esteem. So open your Bibles with me to Matthew 5, and uh, once you've done that, we'll read verses 1 through to 3, and then we'll pray together. Matthew 5. Isn't this amazing? This little rug here makes you feel like you can take off your shoes. But for the benefit of the front row, I will not. (laughs) Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pray with me. Father, we're coming to your word today with the hope that you would speak to us. And I pray that you would open our eyes so that we might see. I pray that you would open our ears, that we might hear and help us to receive your word with humility into our spirit. And God, I pray that you would use me this morning to say something that is helpful and life-giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This poverty has nothing to do with a material lack, at least not directly. Uh, There are plenty of scriptures that point to God's concern for the poor, but this is not one of them. This is about a different kind of poverty, a poverty that is truly a blessing and not at all a curse, a poverty of spirit. Now, Jesus said in Mark 2, verse 17, that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but generally, when I read that verse, and I think of Jesus as being a physician who came to attend to the sick, my immediate reaction is to try to deflect it, to try to dismiss it as referring to somebody else other than me. Don't get me wrong, I love that Jesus came for the sick, and I love that he came for the sinner, but I don't actually like to think of him numbering me as among the sick. Or as a sinner. My tendency is to think of the sick or the sinners as being somebody else and not me. Because I like to think of me as being relatively healthy 
and comparatively righteous as a person. For the most, I've got it all together. Sure, I sin on occasion, but on fewer occasions than you. So I'm good. (laughs) Right? Now, we all have a bit of that in us, don't we? And truthfully, that is such a dangerously smug attitude. Such a smug attitude. But it is the prevalent attitude of this world. Because in this world, self-reliance and self-sufficiency are esteemed as the virtues of the strong, aren't they? The Beatitudes of this world are blessed are the self-reliant. Blessed are the rich in spirit. Blessed are the needless. That's what the world holds up as its ideal. And the opposite, which is a broken, poor, needy spirit, is demeaned as being like a disability or a disease or a flaw. We flinch when somebody out there says that Christianity is a crutch for the weak. Why? Because we don't want to be thought of as the weak. And, and so this is amazing, I think. When Jesus says, "'Blessed are the poor in spirit,' For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is an example, right before our very eyes, of Jesus preaching foolishness which shames the wise. This is an example of Christ as a stumbling block and as an offense to the world and its wisdom. Because here's what Jesus does. He he takes the disease that we loathe the most and we want to be rid of the most, a broken spirit. And instead of ridding us of it, he makes it the doorway to heaven. And when Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And, And I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What he is saying is that the only people who will come to him to get what he has to give are humble people who know that they are spiritually and morally crippled and they are in need of desperate help. And you are blessed when that is your confession because that is exactly what he's there for. He's there to help. But here's the thing. We live in a self-esteem world, in a world that is saturated with sales pitches that are designed to get us to feel like what we need the most is self-esteem. Here's the truth, though. This is the biblical truth. A high self-esteem can be just as paralyzing just as noxious and corrosive, just as devastating, just as dangerous as low self-esteem. Now, God has an answer for your low self-esteem. But it is not as you might suppose or as you might wish. 
because it is not high self-esteem. It is liberating grace. It is the complete sufficiency of Christ. It is esteeming Christ that will provide you with the power to overcome your crippling low self-esteem. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, do you remember when God came to Moses? Obviously, you weren't there, but... He, he, he called Moses to lead the people out of Israel. Sorry, he called Moses to lead the people of Israel out of the captivity of Egypt. Correct. And, and Moses answers back with all sorts of reasons as to why he couldn't do it. Who am I before Pharaoh, he said. Uh, I've, I've never been eloquent. Uh, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue, right? So, so the obstacle to his obedience was low self-esteem, okay? So that's a problem. That is a legitimate problem. If there is something that is standing in the way between us and our obedience of God, that is something that needs to be dealt with, okay? But if you look at God's response to Moses' low self-esteem in Exodus 4 and verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what to speak. So, when Moses started moping about his deficiencies, God did not mollycoddle him and and say to him, no, 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 that's not true. Moses, you are somebody. You you are eloquent. The power to do what I'm calling you to do is within you. Because, Because that's not the biblical way. What, what God said to Moses is, stop focusing on your own limitations and, and look at me because I made your mouth. I, I will help you. I will teach you what to say. Look at me and live. And here's the thing. God's anger did not burn against Moses because of Moses' low estimation of Moses. God's anger burned against Moses because of Moses' low estimation of him. Now, if you look with me over to Isaiah 41, I just want to try to prove to you that what I'm saying is biblical. Isaiah 41 and verse 13 and 14. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who says to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. This is the line that I love. I love this line. Fear not, you worm, (laughs) Jacob. Now, after all, what does a worm have to fear, right? Birds for a start. You know, like, 
when, whenever a worm comes out of his home, there is death potentially shrieking at him from above, wanting to, to rip him and take him off the ground, okay, into the air, not a worm's natural habitat, and then, and then take him to a nest to be pecked by the bird's young. I mean, you know, bird, worms have a bit to fear. So, so it's, not, it's not exactly the most reassuring thing to be called a worm by God, right? But this is what God does. He says, fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. In other words, God's way of liberating people who see themselves as worms is not to tell them that they are beautiful butterflies, but, but rather to say, yeah, you, you are a worm, but I will help you. I am your redeemer. Go to Egypt now and I will be with you. The biblical solution for the person who is gripped by a sense of guilt or by a sense of unworthiness or uselessness or low self-esteem is not high self-esteem, but rather a revelation of God's grace and of his willingness to help them precisely in their weakness so that he gets the glory and we get the peace. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing. The wonderful things that high self-esteem promises but never delivers... God's grace actually delivers. So, fix your eyes on Jesus and not on yourself. And if you do, if you do, if you fix your eyes on Jesus, then you will you will not be dragged about by the fluctuations of self-esteem. But rather, you will be carried along by steadfast grace. So, let's go back to the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, there is something inherently Christian about being poor in spirit. So what is it to be poor in spirit? It is, it is the feeling of complete and utter powerlessness in and of ourselves. It is the feeling of spiritual bankruptcy, moral uncleanness, and personal unworthiness before God. It is the feeling that if there is to be any eternally redemptive work begun and completed in us, it will have to be all on account of God and his grace, such as the depth and profundity of our need. Now, notice the word feeling there, because I went to a lot of effort to emphasize it. Did you notice? 
the, word, the word feeling there is crucial. Because the gospel truth is this. Whether someone feels it or not, whether they reckon it to be true or false, actually all of us are broken. Everybody is actually poor in spirit. Everybody, whether they sense it to be true, whether they accept it or not, everyone is actually powerless without God. Everyone is actually spiritually bankrupt, morally unclean, personally unworthy before a holy God and totally, completely dependent on Jesus Christ in his mercy for eternal redemption. This is true of every person on the face of the earth. Now, we can masquerade. Some of us can do it very convincingly and we can deceive each other that we are the strong We are the wise, we are the rich, we are the confident, we are the clean, we are the worthy, we are the self-sufficient. But actually, in truth, all of us are by definition poor in spirit. But here's what makes the difference. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? And when you feel it, Do you embrace it? While all may be in a state of spiritual poverty, not everybody actually feels it and repents and runs to Christ to put their faith and their trust in him for mercy and then is so blessed by the one who came to call sick sinners to himself. But... Blessed are you if you feel it, painful as it may be. You may walk through this life with a limp, but you will leap for joy for all of eternity. And that is the blessing. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who feel keenly their inadequacies and their guilt and their failure and their helplessness, their unworthiness, their emptiness. And they don't try to hide these things under a mask or a cloak of self-sufficiency, but they're actually honest about them and they're grieved about them and they are so driven towards the grace of God. Blessed to you, because you are going to be comforted, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray together. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.